the compassionate artist really must begin with compassion for self because the only one who can give you the grace in this life is yourself. Welcome to The Compassionate Creative, the podcast that shares the stories of creative leaders who work to pave a path forward in their industries and do so with compassion, authenticity, and integrity. I'm your host, Charlene Dinger, a fellow creative who is inspired by artists and innovators that push their work forward from a place of compassion. I hope you join me on this journey. Stay curious, listen with an open heart and mind, and hopefully we will all find some inspiration along the way. Hello and welcome back, my lovely listener. This is episode four. Today, my guest is Dr. Blessel Buan. She is a dance artist, a chiropractor, creator of Buan Kissed and BIPOC Dance Health. And Dr. Blessel has been such an inspiration to me since we met a few years ago. So I'm very excited to share this episode with you. In our conversation, she talks about how she has experienced burnout throughout the pandemic and throughout her career, her focus on sustainability, thriving, and self-compassion, and also why she created a new directory of dance health professionals called BIPOC Dance Health. So a lot of really important messages and reminders in this episode. I'm very, very excited to share this with you. So let's dive right in with Dr. Blessel. So hello, Dr. Blessel. Welcome to the Compassionate Creative Podcast. Thank you for inviting me, Charlene. I'm so excited to have you here. You have been such an inspiration to me and I've learned so much from you in all that you're doing and I continue to stay so inspired by you. So I really, really appreciate your time and um, I'm so thankful that you're here with me today. Thank you. That's so nice to hear. I often think about how synchronous our meeting was that one day. Yes. Um, yes. Because it was just one day. Mm -hmm. and, it just, and then it just uh, kind of catapulted a lot of future collaboration. So thank totally, you. Totally. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So my first question for you today, and it is early on a, on a Saturday morning, relatively early. How, how have you shown yourself compassion today? Ooh, <laughs> you know, compassion for me, for self, for myself is, is a challenge mm. in this life of mine. Um, it's only recently that I've actually started to use that word more in my, my, my vocabulary for myself. Mm. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, what I did is I, I actually have to wake up earlier than my family. For those of you that don't know me, I have four young children mm -hmm. that, that sleep late and wake up early. Mm -hmm, so, mm -hmm. <laughs> so if I want to get ahead of them, I have to get up earlier than I'd like to. Um, so six o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. um, so that I could just start um, my self-talk, the mindset of just like, okay, today's a new day. Thank you for this day. Um, you know, these are my goals, but you know, if, if I don't hit them, it's okay. Like mm. today's Saturday. We worked hard yesterday, you know? So mm -hmm. it's kind of like self-compassion for me is giving myself space um, to unfurl for the day. And, mm -hmm. and some days I'm right out of the gates and some days I need longer. So just putting it in my schedule um, to allow before the chaos ensues. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. I love that. And I, and I do love as well that the day starts with some gratitude. That's mm-hmm. something that's been a common theme that has come up with some, um, in, in some of the conversations that I've been having. And it's something that I really try and practice as well, because I just love the idea of just waking up and just saying, thank you for another day. Thank you for the opportunity to have another day and then move, move through your day with that gratitude. I love that. So Yes, you are a busy mama. (laughs) You are definitely a busy mama. Um, I remember a recent post of yours that was talking about about burnout. And, you know, especially in these times, like really, really starting to feel that I'm sure you felt it a lot when your kids were were at home with you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wondered if you could maybe speak to what burnout is, maybe some ways that it can be avoided. And I wondered how does it affect your creativity? Yeah. Okay. These are all good juicy questions, Charlene. (laughs) This is good. Um, Well, you know, I don't talk about it so much, but I've started to uh, when the pandemic hit, because Mm -hmm. I feel like this type of um, topic is universal for yes. creatives and just mm. everybody really mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I want to keep it real now mm-hmm. and um, but so before the pandemic I was really burnt out I'm a highly mm. functioning burnt out person mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um and it just if you look at the history, um, just the education, I did eight years of education after high school and then right after that got married and then dedicated the next 10 years building the family right. and building my practice in tandem um, for kids, um, breastfeeding for over a year and a mat leave that's only four months long. Mm-hmm. So the older I get, the less resilient I, I get in terms of how quickly my recovery turn uh, turnaround time is. Mm. Um, and so the self-compassion has come a long way because I, here I am trying to compare my body to the 20s and right. my mind to the 20s. But it's just as you get deeper into your work and older and your community gets bigger, your mind gets fuller. Mm. So the focus within the last two to three years is is doing my own research on the word sustainability, mm-hmm. the word thriving, um, and the word self-compassion. I love that. Um, yeah. So those things, um, because uh, even in my own patients, they come in and they say, um, I used to do this and I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And I want to do this because this is important for me. It feeds my family. It feeds my soul. It feeds my spirit. Right. I'm a leader. I, I don't have time to be broken. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, I was also struggling, you know. Mm, yeah. Um, and I, being a dancer, it's conditioned that you can be exhausted. But once it's time, when the lights go on and it's your the music's on, mm-hmm. nobody needs to see that. Right. Like it's a it's professionalism. Right. But right. to the detriment of the interesting thing where dancers are so embodied, but we become disembodied when we burn out. Mm-hmm. Because we're just on this churn, this mm-hmm. churn of performing, right, all the time. So um, when pande- when the pandemic hit, it was it was actually a blessing for me because mm-hmm. um, the clinic had to shut down mm-hmm. as the city had to recalibrate and figure out um, how to live with COVID. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I was grateful for that time to just um, incubate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not to say that there was a lot of there was a lot of stress, right? Um, but uh, it was like a forced uh, stop to get off that train to reassess. Right. Okay. Where am I losing my energy because I am working with people that don't support my work, Hmm. that don't align with the work ethic and business practices that I would like to continue and learn and grow from? Mm -hmm. Um, Who are the clients that I've been working with and giving too much of myself? Um, That all stopped. So... Um, I think for burnout, it really is, you have to give yourself a break mm-hmm. to step away from the treadmill that's kind of pulling you forward. And as creatives, it's very exciting to build your network, to have your work seen, to be invited. Mm-hmm. But um, the discernment has to come in because, you know, with dance artists, somehow, for whatever reason, um, our value um, as a metric for our time and money, um, and even not even just in dance, just being a creative in general, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a thought leader, whatever it is, yes, um, because it's so easily consumed, then the consumer or the potential collaborator may not see your worth for time, talent, and impact. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, yes. And as because and when as an artist and as a as a creative or a leader, um, when you're in it and you're building and you're on this monster that's building, you will start to see that you you don't even see your own worth for right. time, impact, and value. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's really having this conversation that you can't output all the time and you can't output with everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's such a good reminder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I I know even now as I'm going through a creative surge right now, I have to remind myself because I'm getting these invitations and I have to say, okay, well, I can't say yes to everything right now, right? Right, right. Because right? yes. then all the energy is given away. And then once you're burnt out, then you can't create. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that you mentioned that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't just apply to dance artists because I'm sure that anyone in any sort of creative industry has experienced those feelings. And I, and I think it's so important to remind ourselves that, um, especially now when there is so much consumption of content and all of the things that artists are putting out there, it's like really being able to give yourself that space to Mm -hmm. step back and, and yeah, be able to take that pause. And you're not the only person that has said to me that, you know, this time of COVID has actually been a blessing, has actually been something that they really, really needed in order to step back, in order to reassess and in order to like regroup and just get really centered and grounded again. So I thank you for sharing that. So you, um, you mentioned that you're in like a creative surge right now. And I know that there's a couple of things that you've got on the go that I would love for you to talk about. Um, One of those things is your handmade 
jewelry line. I think that the main focus is is um, earrings right now, right? Right now it's earrings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So maybe you can just share a little bit about what what the inspiration was behind that and, you know, what your what your plans are with that. Sure. Um, so Buon Kiss. So my last name is Buon that I I got from my husband when we got married. And uh, it's hilarious for me because his last name um, when translated, the root is from the Filipino word that means buwan, which is moon. Mm. Um, and so I was working with um, kapi shells, which are native to the Philippines um, and Indonesia. And they're like, they look like glass. So you might see them in chandeliers or whatever it is. It's huge circular uh, shells that are mm-hmm. transparent and translucent. And I found this two years, two or three years ago, I found this um, garland of them. And we just put it on the Christmas tree. And then like Boxing Day, it's like the day that, you know, it's like pure boredom if you don't go shopping or whatever. Mm. So then <laughs> it's yeah. just like this like yeah. post-Christmas hangover. Yeah. So I started clipping them off the Christmas tree and then started workshopping with the kids. I'm like, let's take the um, marker pens and start seeing what we can do with these. Cool. And then it just kind of workshopped and workshopped. I'm like, I can put these on my ears. Yes. Right. And then I would start wearing them out and then start gifting them. Um, And interestingly, the ones that really, really love the earrings are the dancers, my dance friends. Nice. Because they're huge. Yes. Like I I made them big. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like diva earrings. Totally. Um, And they move. So it's mm-hmm. very dynamic. It's very dynamic. And then the whole thing with Buon Kiss, like the name of it just came in the summer when I started, you know, just workshopping with more designs and decided to turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, like they really kiss your face like sun kiss, but like mm-hmm. they're moons, like little moons. Mm-hmm. And then I turned them into Buon Kiss. So that's launching in the, like, I, I finally set a date for it to launch on Halloween. Oh, awesome. Oh, <laughs> Which that's is a so full great. moon time. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. Yes. And a very potent time for the moon. So amazing. Um, yeah. And, it, and you know, the, the beading actually um, came at a time when I just needed some self-healing. Mm. And when I graduated from chiropractic college, there was a lot of post-traumatic stress, um, just mm-hmm. not like from a major trauma, but just from being under so much pressure for eight years. Mm-hmm. Um, that I actually had a forced break then. So it's almost like this pandemic is almost like my experience post-graduation. Yeah, And that's when beading came into my life. I just was beading and booking dance gigs before mm-hmm. I actually started with my first clinic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this one kissed uh, business with beading and dancing and movement is, is like a 360. <laughs> So another thing that you have, this is very, very recent, is a new directory of um, Black, Indigenous, people of color, dance health professionals. And Mm -hmm. I really love the story behind it. And so I wondered if you could share that and, and, you know, um, what you hope for this movement um, in the future. 
Thanks, Charlene. Um, mm-hmm. So literally, yes, it's been just just over a week <laughs> that I yeah. started the account in the directory called BIPOC Dance Health. Mm-hmm. Because two weekends ago, I attended um, a virtual dance conference because that's the way we do now in the pandemic. We don't mm-hmm. have to get on a plane or anything. We can just right. go on Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and the way this um, conference was set up was that all of the delegates or, or um, members were um, mics off, cameras off. Okay. okay. And the panel... Um, and and the host of this particular dance medicine conference was is, is reputable. Mm-hmm. And um, after the presentations, there was a panel, and the the panelist was asked the question, "How can we support um, diversity in dance or dancers of color?" Mm. And her answer was, "Nothing can be done right now. It will take decades for dancers." of color to be supported, we have to start in the schools, we have to start in the youth so that we need to teach the youth to be like a social worker or something. And then from that point, when that happens and those kids grow up, then these dancers will have their support. And Mm. I could not believe my ears. Right. Because hello, we are here now. Totally. Right. Yeah. And I do understand, like with every generation, diversity gets richer. Um, of course. Because the systems in place are not diverse. You see it with casting now. My children are watching like preteen dance shows um, on Netflix with a diverse cast and they think it's normal. And mm-hmm. here I am saying, oh my gosh, guys, you're so lucky. Right. Um, and they're like, well, isn't this how it is? They're like, uh, not really, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. no, well, it is now. Yeah. So, so what I notice is it's so interesting that diversity with casting is now a conversation, but diversity with in dance health actually has not been addressed. Mm. And mm-hmm. so what I noticed um, for many years in the 15 years that I've been practicing is that the panels um, on these platforms of influence and the platforms that drive research are predominantly white. Mm-hmm. And for me, I've accepted that. I mean, that was my education experience that mm-hmm. I, I was of a minority to study what I what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but now to hear that one person's point of view, which is not everyone's point of view, but the the truth of the matter is, is that the imagery that's out there uh, is not diverse. Right. And so I started to ask myself, well, where is everybody? So I just quickly told my story and then started to call people out and say, we need to show people that there is diversity that exists now. And by mm-hmm. showing up, my hope is that we can change um, what drives research, which is predominantly Eurocentric, which is mm-hmm. very ballet centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and the argument there is that, oh, well, it, ballet is really easy to study because of the vocabulary and the movements. I said, well, every dance has vocabulary and movement. It's just who's funding what. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing that I realized when I actually started thinking back to other interviews I've done and content I've done, I'm really passionate about this. Mm-hmm. Dance is culture. Dance is a means for storytelling, 
a means for um, tradition, a means for celebrating, a means for communication, and it's global. So what happened to dance that it became only defined by a certain type of dance style, a certain type of dance aesthetic, and what made the dance expert only um, respected if they look a certain way or come from a certain dance discipline. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because all dancers, like Charlene, you know, like you're a multi-disciplinary um, dance artist. Mm -hmm. And and as, as dancers mature, like the dance studio for me was my entry point, you know, the traditional ballet, tap and jazz. Right. But as I got older, I was learning more ethnic style dances. And even in high school, I was already learning like, you know, Afro-Caribbean like culture as it, intersects yes. with hip hop mm -hmm. and dance hall like that was just the way I because of the community I lived in right that was just the vibe the groove the, the culture of it mm -hmm. and yet dance health and medicine it's like oh no it only counts if you're training like 20 to 40 times a, uh, hours a week and it's ballet contemporary maybe some tap right um, Irish dancing and Katak dancing will come into the research Mm -hmm. But it, it needs to be diverse because I feel like dance health or health in general should be inclusive. And yes. just looking at it from one lens, I mean, already with, with that Instagram account being open for just over a week, I am learning about physiotherapists, dance specialists all over the world. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. I'm so grateful to you, Dr. Blessel, for for starting that, and I wish you all the best with it. I can, I, I'm, I'm so excited to see what happens as as this movement grows. Thank you. Yes, it, yeah. I hope to it eventually to turn into something um, much bigger than from just me. That an organized organization will grow, and it'll be a team of people um, moving this forward. So I'm curious now, um, by kind of fostering creativity through your various different businesses, how how does this really spark joy in your life? Mm, that's a good question. Mm. A lot of times I think I'm a big weirdo because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, because Aren't we all yes, I just cannot do things in a predictable way. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, I think for me, um, maybe it's because I'm a control freak, but I, I like the creative freedom. Mm -hmm. it, it, the moment I don't have creative freedom, um, a part of me dies. Like I, I it's like, um, the light goes out. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And and then going back to, to burnout, you start to lose creative freedom because you're, you know, your schedule is tying you up, tying you down, mm -hmm. or you're not getting enough sleep, or you're not getting that, that space of nothing, because creativity requires space, it requires mm -hmm. play, it requires curiosity. So, and it comes in spurts, like, mm. I don't know any artists that will stick to one medium of art and be on their A game 
24 seven. Right. Um, and that's why you see, I would say every artist has, um, are multidisciplinary artists. Like, oh my gosh, Charlene, how many dancers do you know are amazing painters? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. Um, mm -hmm. And even culturally, a lot of dancers in indigenous practices um, also um, will be good at beading or textiles. Mm -hmm. um, again, because these different art forms tell stories and perpetuate culture um, and they are connected to the land. So while someone looks at me and says, oh my gosh, that woman is crazy. She has four kids and I don't know how the heck she does it. Okay. For me, it actually grounds me um, to play, to just say, okay, I'm, because my brain is constantly thinking like, I, like artists are curious people. So um, it's just reflecting in my work because that's my personality, but um, I'm not always creative. Um, I'm usually tied down with a lot of family stuff, but right. um, it does show up because of the way the kids are doing art. Right. Um, it just looks different every yeah. time. It doesn't yeah. have to be so crazy, like amazing art is art. So Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I really love that. I love that it, it, you know, it comes back to community. It comes back to the connection that you have in, in your life. And I just love that you pull inspiration from that because I think it's so important to stay connected to all of those things. I think that's wonderful. My next question for you is, what do you wish to cultivate and nourish through your creativity? Whoa. Um, what do I wish to nourish? Okay. Well, I think the themes change as I get older. Mm. Um, you know, when I was a teen and making up dances, it was really about always connecting to the music, the lyrics and telling the story and, and trying to get people to cry. That was, that was my goal. Oh my God. I was like, if they cried, I know I did a good job. Okay. I did my work. I did my work. That was my metric when I was a teen. Okay. Amazing. Um, but now it really is, um, for me, um, my creative work is just to slow myself down and um, reconnect to my breath, um, reconnect to... Um, the earth. So it's, it's for me, it's really just my practice for some people, they'll call it yoga or they'll mm -hmm. call it meditation. I know I can't stay still. So as a dancer, what I've been doing in the morning is I actually just get on the floor, mm. just having an open ended relationship to what my body needs at that time. So that's what kind of keeps those creative juices flowing and putting it out into the world mm -hmm. um, and then allows me to be embodied and present. It's not always perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm ever doing it properly, but when I do talk to people or see it in my kids, when they, when they want me and they look at me, I said, okay, well, maybe something's happening here that um, when I do this work, then I'm able to be present. It's, it, it's an exercise in being present, I would say. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. 
Bless all. This has been so lovely. I have had such a lovely time chatting with you and catching up with you. And I thank you so much for your time and your energy. Um, I do have one more question for you. Okay. What does being a compassionate creative mean to you? Oh, this is good. I've never been asked this. Hmm. Um, a compassionate creative, it, you know, Compassionate creatives have to start with themselves. It has to start with self-compassion first. And, and you see this with the downfall of a lot of legendary artists. Mm. They eventually lose sight of their sense of self because of the vices that they required to cope. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like legendary genius, artistic geniuses. Mm -hmm. And so where there's shadow, there's light. And the more light that an individual has, the more shadows they have to work with. And art is a way to transmute that shadow side into something that's beautiful that can share it with the world. So the compassionate artist really must begin with compassion for self because the only one who can give you the grace in this life is yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not an easy process. It's not an easy process at all. Um, but when you have the community to make yourself feel safe, like this podcast, Charlene, and, mm -hmm. um, is going to impact and reach other artists and realize, oh, okay. Um, they're talking about things that were important that I never really put it together. Mm. Yeah. Self-compassion, because when you give it for yourself, then you can give it to others. But if you want to be sustainable, it really is with you first. Beautiful. I'm so proud to know you and I'm so, so happy that you are in my life. Because, oh, likewise, Charlene. As I said, you're, you are such a spark of inspiration for me in so many different capacities. I love everything that you're putting out into the world. I'm, I'm so grateful that you were here with me today. Thank you for the invite and congratulations on this new podcast. Um, everyone needs to tune in. It's, it's, it's amazing and much needed. What an amazing conversation with Dr. Blessel. I feel so inspired. I am so grateful to her for sharing so many of her wonderful experiences and all of those beautiful reminders. I sure hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you were able to take something away from my conversation with Dr. Blessel. If you did enjoy this episode, please subscribe and please feel free to leave a rating and a review so that other listeners such as yourself are able to find the podcast and join in on the fun. I can't wait to connect with you again and I will see you for episode five.